Captain's Log, Stardate 757-85.1. Aboard Lone Star Station, reports of the voice of former Klingon Chancellor Galron is being heard throughout the station. Lieutenant Commander Eric and Lieutenant O'Reilly are investigating. Meanwhile, Lieutenant Commander David and I meet with representatives from the Klingon and Betazoid delegation that just arrived. This episode of These Are the Voyages is dedicated to things not meant to be. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm the captain, Captain Chase McKinney, and joining me is my dear friend, Lieutenant Commander David. What's up, bud? Not too much, man. Yeah? It's been, like, so freaking long since I saw you, since I spoke to you, since I had any sort of interaction with you. I have no idea what to do with myself right now. Hmm. Yeah, what, uh, two two days now? Three days? Mm. Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. That sounds that sounds about right. But I think the math checks out. We might have to run that by Eric. But yeah, I think the math checks out on that one. Yeah, it's a long, long time. God, so man. long. Holy shnikes, has it been a long time. Oh, man. Well, how um, how's uh, the weekend been? How's, how's life been treating you in the very long time it's been since I, I hung out with you? Uh, yeah, no, not too bad. Nothing, uh, nothing too crazy this weekend, honestly. You know, it is the, the Easter weekend when we, uh, when we celebrate the rabbit. It's all about the rabbit and the chocolate eggs and the, you know, the, the stupid grass, the fake, fake tinsel grass that gets everywhere. That stuff annoys me to like no end. Oh my gosh, dude. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. We all dance around the fire in, you know, white frilly dresses and stuff. It's great. I think that's David, midsummer. David, is there something that you want to tell me? I've uh, I I have nor I am not nor have I ever been a member of a cult. Hmm. That we know of. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But yeah, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty standard weekend. Nothing, nothing too crazy going on. Just uh, saw some family today. Nice. Uh, you know, did little dinner stuff, uh, but nothing, nothing too big. Nice. Okay. Very good. We uh, we've been very busy with uh, with this whole weekend and stuff. Like, yeah, just just a bunch of stuff. There was a um, um, an eggs egg extravaganza um, at the church, and there's like everyone and their grandmother like from the community that came to this thing and. Um, besides this reverse Easter egg hunt thing, which is kind of cool because like they clean, basically the kids clean up for you, which is fantastic. Um, like you pick up um, X number of eggs and you go to like these different stations and exchange it for stuff, basically. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but oh my gosh, dude, like it was so muggy. Like the humidity was like no other during this thing like i was sweating in parts that i didn't know could sweat it was weird and disgusting it was it was more disgusting than it was anything else i'm just saying just i thought you and the people of listener land should know this okay yeah it has not gotten hot enough here in ohio for that sort of for that sort of sweatiness yet it hasn't gotten that bad yet david yeah, but true. it will not yet <laughs> 
I've I've been I've had some pretty gnarly summers in the Midwest, and oh my gosh. Hmm. I I prefer I prefer summers in Texas over summers in the Midwest because it's usually a dry heat com- compared to all that lake Look. effect humidity, man. I'm just saying. Look, everybody says that crap, and they're still inside <laughs> in air conditioning no matter what. So that, that's true. That's the biggest line of bowl I've ever heard. <laughs> if you're a sweater, it doesn't matter if it's 90 degrees with 90% humidity <laughs> or 90 degrees with 0% humidity. It just means you're going to be drier and you need lotion, man. So <laughs> it, it, that that that's the stu- That's what everybody in in Arizona says. Oh, come move to Arizona in the middle of the desert. It's a real nice dry heat. Well, you're always in air conditioning. I mean, so uh, yeah. What? What are we talking about? <laughs> I remember um, I was visiting my mom one summer in in Las Vegas, and I mean, it, it's got that like same kind of like dry heat or whatever. And I don't know like what the humidity levels, like the percentages or whatever, were to do what it did. But I remember getting, um, oh, it was like, it was either sweat or it was like just water. Like I got like drenched or something like, like pretty damp. And I remember that I like left my shirt out, um, like on like a, like a line or the back of a chair or something in her backyard or whatever for like 30 minutes and the sucker was dry. Like, how does this happen? Like what scientific witchcraft is this to where it can just dry that good, that fast? Well, Chase, let me let me take you back to fourth grade science class and let's talk about evaporation. Mm, I love a good evaporation story. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm aware that this is what we call evaporation, but like seriously, like yeah, wow. Anyway, so that's that. That's that. Yeah, we we did that. There was like it was it was pretty fun. Like we had um, like Kona ice trucks. Like you got like a ticket. You got like some free snow cones, and they had some like rides. And there there was this like professional like bubble maker or something. Like they hired this like bubble artist or something. It was pretty cool. Um, just like watching him like do all these like bubble tricks. Um, just in the freaking parking lot, just people watching and stuff. So. This is the kind of people I worry about, though. Professional, professional bubble makers. Maker. Mm. Either that was a child that was very, very bored and like didn't get the magic set. Yeah. <laughs> Here, little Johnny, take your wand, take this big bubble wand and do bubble things with it. <laughs> sure, Ma. Have you ever, did you ever play uh, Final Fantasy X on mm-hmm. PlayStation? No, I, I don't know that I've played any of them. Oh, man. Okay, so for the people in listener land that have played Final Fantasy X, there's um, this um, there's this game in, um, like, this game within the game that, like, one of the players play, and it's basically water polo underwater is really what it boils down to, but it's, like, this, like, giant floating water bubble thing. And like what this one, this dude was doing at the, the the egg extravaganza was he was just making these like giant like just giant bubbles and that's exactly like what my mind kind of went to. So, as for any of the Final Fantasy X fans out there, that's the image I'm trying to paint for you. So there you go. Hope you hope you sincerely enjoyed that because I'm really grasping at straws on this one. 
I'm glad you enjoyed the bubbles. It was, I mean, it was great. They were, they, were, they were good bubbles. They're great bubbles. They're fantastic bubbles. I mean, I'm kind of jealous that I can't bubble as good as that bubble dude. Maybe if you practice, Chase, maybe you'll get just as good as Bubble Guy. I, I want to get gooder. That's proper English, right? You're, you teach people, so you tell me. I don't teach them English. <laughs> I don't learn them good when it comes to English, okay? I'm just saying. I don't do that nonsense. Eric does the math. I do the feelings and the thoughts. That's about it. And you play with money all day. You're like Mr. Monopoly. So. That's true. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. I'm still, next time you come, I need to see this monocle and top hat that you've been telling me all about, man. Isn't that one of those Mandela things where he doesn't actually have a monocle? I don't know, man. I'm just saying, that's what comes to mind. Mm, let's check oh, the internet. Oh, look at us. Here we go. Never had a monocle. Mm. See? Wrong. Maybe, maybe he did on the McDonald's Monopoly game to like... <laughs> I'm just saying, if people, I mean, that's, that's a callback right there. Yeah, and the Berenstein Bears was spelled different, and you know, yeah, we we get it. We, it, you're wrong. Fruit Loops, the you know, was spelled out like fruit, not two O's. Yeah, I mean, we we all get it. But dude, it wasn't called the Mandela effect, okay? It's called mm. the Mingle effect, mm. according to the X Files. I'm just saying, since we're you know, since we're crossing all the streams right now, I just. Thought I'd bring that up, you know, season 10 of the X-Files. Hey, Chase, I want to believe. I, I do believe. The truth is out there, my friend. X-Files podcast coming fall 2025. With a very special Agent David and Agent Chase. It'll be great. It'll be fun times, fun times. Because we have nothing better to do than to talk on microphones and stuff i this is just like going downhill real fast maybe we should kind of switch gears and not talk about what we're talking about but talk about the thing that we came here to talk about you know what i'm saying well like do we really want to do that though i guess all right since we have the blessing of david i guess we should probably do this everyone um if the title of this didn't give it away we are going to be diving into um, a book, right? So we're, we're here at the end of the month and uh, we're, we, we about a little over a year ago, or at least close to it, uh, we did um, an episode on Imzadi, the, the Star Trek The Next Generation book, Imzadi, that um, I believe that came out in 1992, 1993, something like that. Um, just, I guess, depending on what you bought, whether it was like paperback or hardback, whatever. Um, but yeah, like 1992, 1993 is when the first Imzadi book came out by Peter David. And uh, we we talked about it. And I think we had like mixed to positive um, reaction to that book for the most part. And um, here we are um, about a year later. And um, truth be told, we were kind of like on the struggle bus like, man, which book do we want to like really talk about this time? And like, all right, well, we got like one, we got like one on the shelf. Like, let's just do it. Let's just do Imzadi too. And um, I know David was like, "All right, cool, let's do it." And like, he just like consumed the heck out of that thing. And he's like, "Oh man, we got some stuff to talk about, don't we?" And I'm like, "I guess so." 
kind of throwing you under the bus, man. But this book, um, also by Peter David, came out um, about six years later in 1998. Um, and the the cover art of this thing has like this little note that says, the long-awaited sequel to the New York Times bestseller, Imzadi, with a very gorgeous picture of the USS Enterprise E. I'm just saying, like, that's, that's a, that's a good-looking ship, man. Yeah. We haven't, however, said the full title, though, Chase. It is Triangle Imzadi yes. 2. Star Trek The Next Generation Triangle Imzadi 2. Try saying that 10 times fast. Star Trek The Next Generation Triangle Imzadi 2. Star Trek The Next Generation Star Trek The Next Generation Triangle Imzadi 2. I'm just going to... Don't. It was a good attempt. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I do what I can. I'm, I'm here for I'm here for the lols. You know what I'm saying? Not the Android, the laughs. Because you have to clarify when it comes to Star Trek stuff. I'm just saying, it's a thinking man show. I mean, it was. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, so as we as we normally do, we're gonna kind of just kind of. Uh, piddle around kind of like poke about here and there just kind of generally talk about stuff uh there's gonna be stuff that we just outright spoil maybe some stuff that we kind of try and save but this is this is not spoiler free by the way not spoiler free so we could do the diet size or we're gonna do the regular size whatever um of of spoilerific conversation so um this particular story Star Trek The Next Generation, Triangle, Imzadi 2 by Peter David. Um, this, the way it starts out, David, is it starts out with a very brief, um, I mean, very brief cut to Deep Space Nine with Worf and Jadzia. Um, and Worf essentially mourning the loss of his wife, Jadzia Dax. And um, then almost like in the blink of an eye it just cuts back so many years back to basically season seven of the next generation where we really saw the wharf and deanna troy relationship budding and being a thing so before we go really any further um than that what did you think of like i guess kind of like the setup of it like you know showcasing jadzia and then Cutting over to Deanna. Uh, like I, I'm, I'm just gonna give you kind of a as brief uh, synopsis as I can here of just my my feeling. Mm. Okay, because I think it runs into a lot of things. Um, this book was not near as clever as it thought it was. Hmm. Um, I understand why I guess that they would start with, with Dax and then roll back into the story, but I didn't really get it. Like, I didn't really get it. Like I, I didn't, I didn't see, cause like when we started with that, I thought it was, I thought it was odd because it's like, wait a minute. Aren't we back with the Imzadi stuff? Like we're we're gonna do like a wharf thing? Oh, 
okay well i mean it was on the cover i guess but uh it, it didn't make a lot of sense um i just i don't know i think a lot of this book didn't make a lot of sense to me i agree with that and i'll also say this in the beginning uh <clears throat> Let's see here. Robert O'Reilly should not be narrating audiobooks. And no offense to the guy, but it was terrible. The production value was terrible. There was one part where Worf uh, supposedly was trying to take out a tricorder, and the sound effect for that was ridiculous. The voice acting was ridiculous. Everybody sounded like Gowron. Mm. Um, <laughs> and the mispronunciations of words really bothered me. Like I think I, I think I said to you, like uh, at one point, fiance. He like pronounced it two or three different ways in the book. Mm-hmm. It's like, can yep. you? just be consistent and and i'm sorry i know that's kind of a little bit of a side tangent but the the audiobook was terrible and i think it might have made my experience of this book terrible -er. um but yeah just just getting back to the initial question i i just i don't think that this book was as clever as it was attempting to be and i thought that the tie-in with dax was kind of weird it just didn't really fit like the piece was sort of like adjacent it's like yeah, it's a corner piece, but it's not a corner piece to this puzzle. I mean, yeah, like let's I mean, let's just think about when this book comes out, right? Like 1998. I mean, we're talking like season 6-ish, right? Of of Deep Space 9, roughly speaking. So, I mean, like the Wharf and Jadzia thing is like right there, like the wedding's taking place or it has already taken place depending on when publication has happened. And of course, that's leading up to what we, how we know the season six finale happens with the death of of Jadzia, you know, by the Paw Wraiths, essentially. So, of course, like, if anything's going to happen and like, oh, yeah, there's a book coming. Okay, we got some notes from the producers. Let's see if we can weave this in since Worf is going to be a story point, like with a with a relationship. So like, like from a from a timeline perspective it makes sense but the way that it was used i think was very very underutilized like i think they could have done a much 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 better job like i think i would have rather had like a little bit more runway perhaps with the jadzia and wharf relationship um and then like maybe like transition like as like a um like kind of like what they did in a way i guess like just kind of thinking back on like pondering whatever like the days on on the 1701d and what it was like with deanna i think that would make more sense narratively speaking than what we got maybe i'm giving are, it too much you, credit yeah are, are, are you kind of like maybe alluding to maybe worth wharf thinking about if he took a different path or something yeah, like that perhaps okay i don't really i don't know i mean I guess if if you're if you're thinking about maybe him processing through some of Jadzia, Jadzia's death, I don't think he would have thought that way. Mm. I could be entirely wrong, but I don't know that the character would have necessarily. Ah, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Which that's 
I think that's going to be like a maybe not all, but like a good chunk of our discussion about Worf. Yeah. Um, I've got some. I've got some issues. So before we, that's what as as Eric would call. That's what we call a tease. So before we we truly get to that, we have a few uh, notable ish characters that are kind of in this in this particular story. Of course, we have Worf. Um, and um, I think like how we've alluded to it, like we have a very, very, very brief mention of Jadzia in the like first few pages of the book. That's it. Uh, the rest of the time we're dealing with uh, Dean Troy and of course, William Riker. But we also have Thomas Riker. Yeah. Woo. All right. All right. Thomas Riker, Mr. Goatee. I think you're allowed to have goatees in the regular universe. You know what I'm saying? Like that was like only relegated to the mirror universe. It's a mirror universe thing. He's breaking the he's breaking the breaking the rules. You broke the rules, Tom. You broke the rules. Um and Romulans. Yeah. Mm. And Edward Jellico. Admiral. <laughs> Admiral. Jellico. Yes. Good old Good old Ronnie Cox makes an appearance um, as Admiral Jellico. Um, you, you need some some like some some cheesy like '80s sitcom music, you know, just in the background as they're introducing the characters. You have some theme song, and do 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 Galron. All right. Know? Well, it's it's no, it's it's like more like the Price is Right or something. They're just calling people down from the audience. And come on down, <laughs> Jean-Luc Picard. Woo. Spin that wheel. <laughs> you know, whenever whenever I heard um, Admiral Jellico at like the different points, um, I just kept like thinking, like not of chain of command. You know, whenever he actually appears in Next Gen, I'm thinking of um, what is it, Lieutenant Bogomil in Beverly Hills Cop. I think that is the character he plays. So like, I'm just automatically thinking of like the Axel Foley theme song, you know, like whenever they're like name dropping him. Nice. That's solid. <laughs> oh, I love that movie. Like that is like, I that is, like that movie too, yeah. that's like one movie I can watch by myself and just literally laugh out loud. I can't do that with too many movies, but Beverly Hills Cop, I can every single yeah. time. Um, okay, so yeah, we have like some weird shenanigans going on. Um, we have the way that this kind of store starts out, if I remember correctly, David, is like we have some like kind of almost like inner monologue type of stuff going on with Riker. And as as they keep going on and on, they reveal themselves to be Thomas Riker. And you, you just have like this just weird 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 dynamic of like she loves me she loves me not she loves me she loves me not how can I prove my love to Deanna type of thing and it's it's just awkward as heck I don't know if like you you felt that way too or or what yeah the the only mild pass I could give that is he was clearly being tortured by Cardassians Sure. like a you know prison camp because of his role with the maquis but 
the, the, I mean, it, it's already implied by the title. Th this whole this whole triangle thing that happens here, and actually, it's more like a square if you really think about it. Really it really is a square. Yeah, it, it's more like uh, you know Imzadi squared. So you do Imzadi two squared. Hmm. That might be too much, or Imzadi squared two. I don't know. Anyway, the the I never cared about Thomas Riker. I, I the episode was fine. Uh, bringing him back uh, in one of the episodes of DS Nine would just felt like a way to get Jonathan Frakes in DS Nine. Defiant, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Uh, but I never really cared too much about Thomas. I, I thought the story was fine in Next Gen, and I was I was fine. I was done with it. Um, sure. But I, I guess I don't know if you want to hold it off or whatever. But I, I think I think we start with um, we start to really see some of the the characterizations of these characters start rather early, being somewhat. I don't know what the word would be like overly dramatic melodramatic or just caricatures of, of maybe something that they were uh because you know Tom, thomas is um i mean he's just riker with on a different path he just they split it was a y in the road exactly or a fork in yeah. the road and I never really viewed Riker, William Riker, as a as an obsessive person. I think he's very aware of the things around him. So then just in parallel, I never really thought of Thomas as necessarily like an obsessive person. He seems kind of like an obsessive person in the beginning of this book. But there yeah. again, the only thing that I would say to that is because of the torture, sometimes people will try and hold on to those little sections of hope and maybe Deanna was the only little section of hope for him so sure well I mean like let's let's go back to even that episode of next gen second chances where we meet transporter accident clone brother person Thomas right yeah. um he's been he's been the whole y'all just just watch the story like you or watch watch the episode um it was a moment in time before Riker really became more of like the the why I'm wise air quotes right leader um, that he is okay like I'm just trying to like draw like some kind of distinction um, between sure, sure. the two so like he becomes like a much more tempered wise ish leader um, in the grand scheme of things compared to the um, very um, almost plucky kind of um, character that Thomas is at that point in his life, because like that's where like things kind of like split apart for the most part. So Will has the experience. He has like the the iron sharpens iron type of stuff that's been going on since that incident compared to Thomas, who maybe doesn't. So, of course, they, they're, it's that split in the road. But then, of course, with that split in the road, there's this other split in the road with um, like the torture adding on to like the psyche of who Thomas is and 
you know, Thomas, like we saw him like really putting on the moves to uh, Deanna in second chances, like holy shnikes. Yeah, the only thing that I would say is, you remember the book Hatchet? I do, I actually have it somewhere. Yeah, so I, I remember reading Hatchet when I was younger and you know, the kid, he gets trapped on an island. Yeah. And then later on he goes back, not, <laughs> anyway, there was more hatchets. He does. But the fact of the matter is, is he was stranded on an island and he had to deal with effectively that survival. I mean, Thomas Riker had to effectively do kind of a similar thing. So it's not like he didn't live years in between the accident and the finding. It's not like he, it just appeared. He, he had been there for hmm. how, how many years was that? Do you remember? Uh, off the top of my head, no. Um, I mean, he was what, a lieutenant? So I think so, yeah. I would say at least seven years, at least. Okay. Yeah. Let's just say a number of years. Survival will tend to sharpen you in different ways as well, because you have to make tough choices. There's even potentially a confrontation with morale or uh, mortality. Um, you know, the decision making you, you make in those moments could be far more crucial because you're dealing, strictly speaking, with just surviving. Maybe somebody will come, maybe they won't. What do I do? Do, um, do I make the choice uh, to live out a life here or do, or do I continue to fight for the life I had? Uh, there was the episode of uh, DS9. Uh, the, Defiant. The, no, 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 the, the, the time planet where they were trapped on the, the planet and they met like generations from the ship. Oh, is that time loop thing? Yeah, basically, yeah, basically the the ship crash landed, and everybody had to live on. So there were generations of descendants of the original crew of of the Defiant, and then it, it's a perpetual time loop, effectively, and they broke the loop. So they made the choice to generationally live there and make basically a colony, right? Thomas didn't have the benefit of other people, <laughs> but at the same token, he seemed to still continue to fight for that proverbial life he had. So sure. there's a, there's a, a different growth, but there would still be some growth there. Sure. And I just checked and it was eight years. So I was so close. Okay, cool. Very yeah, close. Eight years. Um, but even, even with that particular incident, um, it was following the incident where like the particular event happened um, that Will ended up getting a promotion to <laughs> Lieutenant Commander uh, for what happened um, at this. So uh, yeah, like this was like like almost, um, I guess in a way, like just adding insult to injury to Thomas, even though they're genetically indistinguishable from one another, right? Like anyway, whatever. So, so yeah, there's, there's some like torture stuff going on. There's Cardassians involved. Um, there's like later on some Romulans involved as well as another certain, you know, Sela is involved. Good old Sela. Yeah. Uh, makes an appearance. And, uh, 
I'm just gonna I just kind of want to just like bring this up now um, because I don't really know how much we really need to spend time on it if I'm just being I mean this is just me but to me like the Romulans really don't make too much of an appearance it seems like until like maybe like the back third maybe of the story and it just to me it just felt like they were just like shoehorned in like it's like okay we have to like fill some time what do we got y'all what do we got okay um okay we can't let's we probably shouldn't use klingons because wharf's here uh we already did something with the kardashians um hmm romulans let's do it Yeah, yeah, it, it did seem very, very shoehorned in. I, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, like, um, honestly, like, we, we get, like, um, like, this this book is, like, 300-some-odd pages long, and, like, you can listen to the audiobook, and it's, like, a th- three-hour doohickey, like, yeah, depending yeah. on, like, how fast you listen to it. Like, I, I mean, I usually listen, like, on 1.6, 1.7, 1.8, depending and like i got this thing done in like an hour and a half two hours basically and we get to the point where there's like some sort of like resolution for the most part with like the main storyline and it's like why don't we just stop here like this romulan stuff just like makes no sense to me like why we're including this the way that we are well really bringing in thomas into the fold at all didn't make a a ton of sense either right and i mean it, it it only it only really like i think like you said stood to create another line for i mean no offense but like unless uh fabio's on the cover you know how, how much of a star trek book can you just deal with romance <laughs> yeah yeah one thing that we haven't mentioned is like when this takes place. So like we yeah, we talked about like the Jadzia thing. Like the three pages that it happened is yeah. obviously season 6 of of uh of Deep Space 9. But this, the main storyline, the meat and potatoes of this takes place directly following the movie Star Trek Generations. Like that's what we're looking at. Like we're looking at you know, post crash of the Enterprise D and now everyone's kind of like on temporary assignment for the most part. And we have we have like a brief moment or a few brief moments where even Picard is like um, trying to keep everyone together. He's trying to keep his comm staff together, basically. And um, he's on the struggle bus a little bit with that. So um what was it? Um, Riker is uh, what an instructor at the academy. Is that right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Will Will Riker is an instructor at the academy um, at this t- at this point. Um, and then we have uh, what was it? Beverly and was it Jordy? Were um, were they on the same ship? Is that what it was? Um, not. It wasn't like obviously it wasn't the Enterprise because the Enterprise E isn't going to be ready for um, a little bit longer. But I could have swore they were on the same, they were stationed aboard the same ship, like the Farragut or something like that. I think you're right on that. It it just seemed to me like such a small part that I wasn't really 
I don't, I don't even really remember it. I just remember one okay. part where Jordy was like, are you okay? And then that was, that was it. <laughs> that was like literally it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but okay. Um, I'm like jumping around like crazy. Um, do you want to talk about the wharf of it all? I mean, that's, that's, that's the triangle might as well do it. But like, that's the thing. Like, it's not really the triangle. Isn't what the cover art makes it out to be. This is like a shadows have offended kind of thing. Right. Where yeah. it's, it's, it's not really, I mean, it depends on how you look at the triangle. I think so. Yeah, you said like it's more like a square, a rhombus, or whatever type of thing. But like it's Thomas, William, and Worf all vying for the love and affection of Deanna Troy. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And it's awkward as heck. Yeah. It's extremely awkward. Um, and you so refresh my memory because it has been a little bit of it's been a little while since I've rewatched next gen but in the finale of next gen we kind of squashed that whole thing didn't we yes yeah so we squashed it but now we're like but like we're, we're, you know we, we didn't I mean, I know this is technically so, non-canon, but. So yeah, like the the relationship, right? Like that was a thing in the final season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the final season of Next Gen. But we got to remember that all good things, like everything that was there basically never happened, like in all good things, except well, for Picard remembering it. Well, right, but wasn't there a line at the very end where, like, Riker kind of... I, I can't remember the line, but he, he kind of looks over to Worf and it's like, there's some things that should never be or something like that. And they both just did the head nod. Yeah, I think I think that mainly had to do with, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, basically, like, not letting their their friendship and their professional relationship get all up in arms essentially because okay. of, like what's happening but uh, that's that's fair i guess that's fair uh, because like that did become the thing in the alternate future essentially like with yeah. the very bitter Riker, which we saw in imzadi one for crying out loud uh, true yeah it's true i didn't really understand the the deanna wharf relationship quite as much just to be honest with you because it was always Riker and Deanna for me. Yes, yes. And I think part of like the behind the scenes stuff, if I'm not mistaken, was that Marina and Michael were both wanting like to do like more stuff like with their characters than what they were doing. And I think they had pitched some stuff to like the producers. And I think that that's kind of like what happened. And I think that also, I could be wrong on this. I probably am, but I could have swore I read somewhere that Marina and Michael also had like a real life relationship there for a hot second. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. 
So, but I, I think it was like very short lived um, because like Marina and her husband, um, who he passed away, um, well, about a year ago, I want to say they had a very long, long standing marriage. Um, so uh, anyway, anyway, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at with that. Th- this is, you had, you had just mentioned that you had some issues with like some of the story stuff, like without like going too in depth with it, like before we even met to talk about this. And I think I had texted you. I'm like, dude, I got some issues with the characterization of Worf, like oh, hard time, mm-hmm. big time, big time war. Okay. I'm just going to say this and let's, let's just see like where it kind of takes us from here. Worf is unlike, I think any other Klingon full stop. He is, I think early next gen, we're kind of dealing with a pretty much like on the nose kind of Klingon, but as the season, the series goes on, he definitely evolves. Yeah, agreed. And, and in all that, we see him, um, how do I want to say this? The, the way that he approached, I mean, like he's just like a much more evolved Klingon, which I think is um, in line with like what we see even like with Martok uh, towards the, the middle to end of, of Deep Space Nine. I think those two, I mean, Martok, I think is like still a little more rougher on the edges, but for the most part, I think they're pretty similar ish um the problem that i have with this book is that i don't know what was going on with our author what notes they were dealing with for this particular book but it's almost as if we just completely ignored all the character development that Worf had gone through in next gen and just reduced him to a caricature of a Klingon. Yeah. I mean, he, he had done a lot of maturing over the years, still obviously had kind of the pull to some of the, the Klingon way of life or, or some of their idioms and some of their, you know, just general cultural things. But, you know, when he was on beta Z and like you know we're we're bringing back in Deanna's mother and and her friends and all this stuff you know psychic parties and everything he he did he kind of relapsed in the early next gen wharf where super gruff singular singularly minded not very philosophical about anything overly sensitive very uncomfortable not very confident in himself and and it's just some of the some of the uh you know the speech that that the author gave him just it was really rudimentary you know it, it just didn't feel like the wharf that he had grown into at all yeah there um the 
just like he was just so much Worf as a character is just so much more nuanced throughout the entire run of Next Gen even Deep Space Nine and including the movies and there is an episode of um, Star Trek Voyager that I was thinking of at several different points of of this particular of this book and it's um near the end of season one of voyager it's called faces and um it's essentially where um the vidians i believe it's the vidians um they basically split torres in half like they split torres um, who's half klingon half human by the way um into a fully human, full human, and a full Klingon. So they're 100% Klingon there, and then for oneself, and then there's 100% human for the other self. And they have to like kind of reckon with like those parts. And I get that Worf is 100% Klingon, even though he was raised by um, humans, right, on Earth. Right, I get right. that. But to me like it just seemed a lot like this particular voyager story where we separated the uh, if i can just put it this way the humanity of wharf and just went like zero to 90 klingon like just like the gruffness the singular focus on war and not that wharf wasn't like com already completely focused on war but like and like just like the the culture of klingons but it was nuanced like it was tempered there was just like something to him to where it was just i'm a different klingon and that was not the case at all in this story and it drove me nuts yeah no i i, I agree uh, it just kind of made him seem a little bit more like a like a simple barbarian <laughs> I mean, like, I've read, like, some comments here and there, like, where, like, some readers have, like, compared him to, like, a caveman mm, or whatever. Mm, yeah. Some people have compared him to, like, the um, stereotypical, like, meathead jock kind of mm -hmm. character in this story. And I'm like, I kind of agree with that. And I hate that because Worf is one of my favorite characters in Star Trek, period. And I just, I'm not a fan of how they, how he was treated. So, Agreed. yeah. But like that, I think that's like some of my, my biggest complaint is like, it, they just didn't understand the character. Just to understand the character, I think. Yes. Yeah. Which is just weird to me that this is weird. Well, I mean, I would also say that it felt like he didn't really understand Deanna either. Okay. Um, okay. Especially kind of at the end of the book, I thought that the... I just thought it was poorly written. But it's almost a characterization of somebody who's just love-struck at all times. Almost like, you know, her... Her, her mother, you know, when she was just like, uh, you know, trying to like get with data, <laughs> you know, 
just sort of a, a bit not really as much not really even in total control of herself and then i would also say that there were parts where you know she would like laugh off some of Worf's caveman stuff when i don't necessarily think that's right either uh i i think i think she would probably maybe want to talk about it a little bit more or something of that nature you know Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and the thing that i thought was also kind of odd was one i mean how um this is kind of like a question mark kind of thing but like how open Loaxana was even to the idea of mr wolf um <sighs> being with with Deanna that was just kind of weird and like them going through like all the party conference stuff that they did right I don't know it just felt awkward yeah yeah um you you said that like fiance was like one one observation that kind of like drove you nuts mm. one for me was mr hom mm. it, it should be mr hom mm-hmm. but he kept saying mr home and that just like drove me nuts i'm like come on just like watch one episode next gen with lawaxana yeah. just watch one you got this dude yeah anyway professionals which like it, it stinks because Robert O'Reilly is the actor that plays Gowron for crying out loud. Oh, really? I, you know, see, I didn't know that, but he did the Gowron voice so well. So it makes more sense now. Yeah. And every, everybody sounded like Gowron. Oh, you know, I did not know that. Thank you for <laughs> enlightening, enlightening me on that chase. That makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> I do what I can. I do what I can. That's why they pay me the big bucks. Don't ever, don't ever narrate another book, though. Don't do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going somewhere with something, but it's fine. Um. Oh, the, I think it's like towards the, closer towards the end. Um, I think just before the Romulans or during the the Romulan kind of thing. There's this, like epiphany this like oh my gosh type of thing like imzadi what is this word tell me about imzadi what does this mean are you telling me that you and Riker have had sex with each other yes but it's not just a physical connection thank you for doing a retread of imzadi the book and also all of next generation yeah like, I have a feeling that he already knew that, but, like, we're just pretending he didn't for the sake of this story. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Did you have any thoughts on that, or did you, like, pick up on that at all, David, or do you just purposely, like, tune that out? No, I mean, I, I just thought everything, almost everything about Worf just was off. That was just another sort of piece of straw in the massive pile of straw. 
Yep. Like there's no needle here. It's just all a bunch of straw. <laughs> but no, you, you're right. I mean, I, I guess you could potentially say that one of, um, even with like Kalar, Worf had some some stuff about like you know wanting to get married and and you know have that sort of thing. And Kalar being half human, well, uh, well, I don't care about your Klingon traditions. And, you know, some of his, um, I guess, courting rituals mm-hmm. are fairly old school and, and very quick as well. But, um, yeah, to not know, I, I mean, my God, that word was thrown around so much. It's like you never, hey, uh, Riker buddy would you like some blood wine maybe explain imzadi to me (laughs) that never happened i have to have gowron fake a wharf and tell me Mm, a very gruff sounding wharf by the way goodness yeah yeah okay to to try and redeem at least this part of the show for a second real talk Kalar Jadzia. Who was his who was Worf Simzadi? I think, uh, you know, Kalar kind of was the embodiment of everything he would need in a Klingon woman, and Jadzia was everything he needed given his human upbringing, even though she's Trill. (laughs) Yeah. Kalar gave him a son. Uh, Dude, I... I, I I don't know. That's a that's a pretty tough one. Maybe you should Twitter poll it or something. I should Twitter poll that one. I kind of like. I mean, I, I I love Jed Zia as a character, just in general. And I mean, I like their relationship and everything. Uh, Kalar was in two episodes. Well, that's more or less half true the actress was also a you know a vulcan once anyway um that's also true well yeah. done. <laughs> but i don't know man i i just i like kalar though they just could push each other back and forth you know but still ultimately you knew they cared about each other yeah that's kind of like your, everybody is going to have multiple, well, not everybody, but most people are going to have multiple relationships in their life. And if they're lucky and can differentiate enough and not be hurt by them, you can have significant relationships, multiple sure. significant relationships. <sighs> it, I'm I know. getting rambly. I'm not sure, dude. I don't know if I can answer that question. I mean, like, we, I mean, just to like, I mean, rehash it even more. I mean, like, we're talking like, the first person to touch your soul like the first person to have like that mental emotional 
physical and dare I say spiritual intimacy with that like transcends like everything and I think there was I mean I think it could be like a split decision man like I think you'd like could like flip a coin with that but I I would be very interested to hear what like the listeners think like I don't necessarily like want to like muddy the waters and skew the data or anything but like I don't know like I think I think it leans more Jadzia like and it's not because we have more episodes necessarily but like you look at the chemistry between the two like they both have like like Worf has like wicked chemistry like with both in different ways and I mean yeah Kalar gave him a son but like man I think it to me I think it like leans a little bit more Jadzia well, I, I think Kalar was the first. Jedzia was the reignition. Okay. This is the remix too. No, no, nope. It's not. It's definitely not. It's not that. <laughs> no, no, nothing coming out of the kitchen. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, there's. I'm okay. So with all that. Um, we we essentially like are ending the book like with this like we said this kind of like seemingly shoehorned in Romulan thingamawatsit and there's like a setup there's like some framing kind of stuff going on and tell someone that I love them and blah 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 like very melodramatic type of stuff going on um what what did you think of of like this like final bit of storyline in terms of how they kind of used it, David? Uh, I mean, we're Romulans. We're gonna kill people. Of course, Thomas. You're no. You're not. You're William. No. Here's William. Oh uh, no. Will's being captured by Cardassians who think he's Thomas. And now we know Thomas is William and William is Thomas and all this. Yeah, I, I, um, it was, it was kind of like uh, you hear that, you know, that sort of <laughs> Benny Hill, Hill music going on in the That's background right, yeah. and the whole thing. Uh, I mean, it, it the, the plot itself actually was not like terrible if done in its own way or in its own time or whatever. Yeah. You know, you're you're effectively trying to break the alliance between the Klingons and the Federation. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's thwarted because the Romulans are dumb. And you know, we get a brief appearance by Odo. Come on down, Odo. Today you're gonna be masquerading as a bottle of Romulan ale. Yes, Romulan <laughs> ale with an immovable cap. You know, so <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was fine, I guess. You know, the, the whole thing with like, Will, he's, he's, Worf proposes to Deanna, right? So they're now financiers, you know, or, or however he chose to say fiance in this book. And uh, Will's gonna, I'm gonna tell her, I'm gonna track her down and tell her how I feel. And then he's caught and it's like, no, you're Thomas. No, I'm not. Yes, you're Thomas. We're going to give you to the Cardassian. So, 
you know, and then Jellico, of course, you know, he, he, oh yeah, that's totally Thomas. Thanks. Thanks, Jellico. We, we always appreciate the cameo. Well done. But yeah, I mean, the, the plot line would have worked, I guess, if you focus solely on that plot line, I guess, and not had to like move it quick because your main story was supposed to be Imzadi related. Um, but I don't know. It, it fell a little flat for me just in this book. I, I just, it just felt like so much of a game of musical chairs. Like I was just yeah. losing interest, um, if I'm being completely honest. Um, and it just felt very um, just disjointed in yeah. general. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll reserve some more comments for my actual like rating here in just a little bit. Yeah, but di- the real question is, did you want did you want Will to punch Worf out? Mm. Who uses that terminology, <laughs> Mr. Worf? I'm gonna I I want to punch you out. You mean Peter like, David does? You, you you want you want to knock me out? No, I want to punch you out. <laughs> with a with a palm. Yeah, <laughs> palm strike, Kirk chop. <laughs> Lame sidekick, double Shit, axe handle job. smash, <laughs> smash to the you know to the midsection, then over the back. Yeah, because that'll totally knock him out, hundred totally. percent. And then you go off the turnbuckle, top rope, you know, double axe handle smash. Well, that, that's different. <laughs> <clears throat> oh man, David, I feel like we've 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 kind of like hodgepodged our way through through this and maybe it's made some sense maybe it hasn't but are there any like final thoughts or ideas or whatever that you want to talk about before we, we keep on trucking i mean the, the the only other thing that i would say is that the the ending of the book is effectively wharf wharf going to boroth or borath and uh the relationship between he and deanna being over and then in the snap of a finger uh yeah, I love you, Will. I love you. Well, that was quick. I guess you said no. <laughs> That's a nope rope when it comes to good old proposal. Will's like, wait, wait a minute. Did, you, you were just me? Uh, well, okay. I, I guess I'm fine with this. But you know what we should do? I mean, our ship just kind of crashed. We're completely used. I love you, but let's not do anything with it for at least four more years. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, maybe until I get my own ship, you know. Yeah, like until we go to like you know the Briar Patch and we get like our our um, our youth hormonal levels at peak. You know, we could take a bubble bath. I can shave you. That's right. Right. You know, we, we really what we got to do is we got to make Mr. Worf walk the plank. That's what I'm talking about. Well, he already did, actually. He already did. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, no, that's all I that's I that was the last little piece. <laughs> I think I had to right. say on that. Very good. All right. So for books, we do this um, out of uh, out of five, five stars, five whatevers. And um Anyway, I think we should probably just keep on, keep on, keeping on with this. Um, for me, 
um, I guess I'll kick this off. For me, I I read some stuff um, here and there, like, hey, do you need to read Imzadi one before you read this, like, to really know and appreciate it? And I think it's like a yes and a no type of thing, which leans more towards no than anything else. Um, yeah, like, so you can kind of like appreciate like what maybe Will and Deanna have already gone through in air quotes, um, like from the first story, um, which is time travely parallel universe weirdness that David just loves so much. It's, it's his favorite kind of story, which for the foreseeable future, we're going to only do time travel stories because that's how much David loves it. Don't look, don't look at me that way, David. Don't look at me that way. Um, so yeah, like I've, I've talked about, about Worf and that's like, I think the thing that is bringing things down the most for me is, is the characterization. Um, when we get to the musical chairs of like the last, I just want to call it like third, a quarter, whatever of this story, I'm of the opinion that the Cardassian Romulan switcheroo weird stuff could be completely taken apart and like made its own story. Like I would read that. Um, one thing that, that I do as an editor for um, scholarly journals is like, I'm looking like, okay, how are you structuring your art, your academic article that you're, you know, your, your work that you're doing. And I've made notes like, okay, this, I would recommend that you stop right here and like, just like finish this idea right here. And that is what you should resubmit the rest of this, save it turn that into a different article because you essentially have two different complete articles here that you're trying to make work as one. And that is exactly how I felt about this with, um, with the Cardassian, the Romulan stuff. We have too many stories going on and it just, to me, it's, it's just there just to be there just so we can have like some weird Thomas and Will stuff just for the sake of having some weird Thomas and Will stuff and to confuse readers about which Riker it is or it isn't type of thing. So that's kind of a down for me. Um, did I like revisiting um, some of like the the time period between generations and first contact? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a good fun time to just kind of hang out in. Um, but I I can't say that I truly enjoyed this story. So out of five I don't want to completely flame it, but I do. Um, I'm, I think I'm going to just have to give it like a, I'm just going to go with my gut. My gut says two and a half, two and a half out of five on this one for me. I usually like to go into Goodreads and kind of read through people's reviews. Sure. Like post reading a book not to influence my own review but just just to just to see what other people are saying um and i think i still have that up here it was it was actually kind of funny because like there was one 
I don't remember if it was. You, you, you always have a couple that were oh like. Audible has a four point two. Goodreads is a three point five overall, out of uh, sixteen hundred ratings. And look, th this book wasn't very good. It, it just it it wasn't it wasn't very good. The audio book was was pretty terrible. Um, unfortunately, now that you pointed out that it was actually Gowron reading the book, I'm kind of sad in a way because mm. I always liked Gowron. I really For did. Sure. For sure. <laughs> it's just so hilarious. Just crazy eyes. <laughs> Duras. <laughs> Glory uh, to you and your house. Oh my God. This is so funny. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, the. It's funny because I, I vaguely remember being okay with Imzadi. Like I thought it was okay. Yeah. But this one, it seems highly unnecessary. It seems like junk filler for a time period where maybe they just wanted more junk filler. You know, like what did you said that this guy was on like New York Times bestseller for something? Yeah, it says the long-awaited sequel to the New York Times bestseller, Imzadi. Oh, Imzadi was a new... Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Must have been a slow time in the 90s. Uh, anyway, was Oprah <laughs> around at that time? Anyway. Yes. Um, you get an Imzadi. You get an Imzadi. Jeez. Oh, uh, but the, 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 the Romulan plot line, like, like Chase said, like I said probably would have been okay for its own thing like if you just wanted to do you know a sila story uh, you could have literally had any i actually think a better foil for that would have been picard personally in some way shape or form whether you use will thomas thomas will one of the two or combination of both but but then i think it would have been a bit better to have picard in there but that's just my thought the Deanna Wharf thing never really resonated as much with me. I, I get, I get it. I was cool with them trying it. I mean, when you're colleagues for that long, those sort of things can happen. And because relationships are a little bit more relaxed in Star Trek universe, it's, it's different. Okay. That's fine. We can explore those things. I didn't, wasn't mad at it, but Deanna was never a match for Wharf. They, they weren't a match for each other. Um, as, as strong-willed as Deanna could be, there were definitely times when she could maybe it's just because of her understanding of people and her her empathic ability she wasn't as necessarily as headstrong as like Kalar or Jedzia she just was never in my opinion was never a match for Worf the 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 bond was always with Riker i think that that was evident from day 1 and was always evident throughout the the story but no big deal. Sometimes you have to date around to see what works. Um, but the the crushing together of these story points, it, it didn't it didn't gel very well for me. It didn't it didn't just didn't feel cohesive. Um, there were also some really immature bits in here. Like uh, I, I wish I could remember some of the lines, but there was something about like breast in here at one point. And it's just like well certain words that you probably could have omitted for a little bit more adult level, you know, writing, I guess. And especially if you're going to tell me this guy was a New York times bestseller, 
but there again, that's not exactly unique. Anyway, um, and then the, the characterization of some of our some of our folks here, like Worf, Deanna, even you know even Thomas to an extent. I just didn't really think the guy understood the characters he was writing about while he was doing. Maybe he's just rushed. I don't know. Maybe this highly anticipated sequel was a rush job. I don't. I don't know. Um, but it, it didn't. It didn't feel right overall. And when it doesn't feel right, the score drops. Um, and like I said, it was. It was not helped by a pretty pedestrian audiobook. And it was abridged. The audiobook was abridged. But it also just was pretty terrible. It was terribly produced. Sure the voice acting no offense my man but it was it just wasn't right um so you you gave it two and a half i did okay i i didn't i i just didn't enjoy myself i didn't find any any joy in this book and it is what it is i would probably be a little lower i, I think i was thinking somewhere in like a 2-2 range 2.2 okay very good so there we have it y'all there we have it two five and a two two um, per- personally, um, one thing I think I neglected to say, but I just, I personally wouldn't recommend this book. I mean, like, no, I mean, the only thing I guess is if you like Deanna, read it for Deanna, maybe, but that's a stretch. Like I just, I just would not recommend Imzadi two. the first Imzadi book. I would. Yes. Imzadi two, I think is a pass. Like, yep. It's just hard, a pass. Hard, hard pass. Yeah. So, anyway, well, David, before we we get out of here, let's talk about something important. You know, like the Twitter poll. Oh, you have another one. I do. Look at you. I always have a Twitter poll, except when I don't. Uh, are we gonna have Eric dial in momentarily? So <laughs> <can be apart? laughs> That'd be something. Hey it? guys, how did you enjoy the book? I wanted to react to the Twitter poll. Just, just he, he just sends you an audio as a, as opposed to actually calling in. There we go. So, um, so this is what I did. I, uh, of course, I pull the people of Twitter and I, I asked him this question: Who would you rather go on an adventure with? And the choices were: William Riker, Worf, Thomas Riker. is that even really a question it's it's totally war if i want to go targ hunting and like you know just just do some bat leth finding or you know i, I don't know maybe just you know do, just let's just do warf stuff warf stuff let's do some like random like calisthenics like you know with like yeah. the, the skull people that look like they're straight out of like he-man you know what i'm saying i'll take a class man i'll, I'll find some half romulan half Klingon camps yeah man I am not a merry man. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll dress in all black with him, you know, just a black skin suit. We can go mm-hmm. run through the jungle. It'll be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shall we get to the results? Yeah, sure. <laughs> in last place with 0%, our boy Thomas Riker. Makes sense. Yeah. Second place, 33.3% of the vote. You ready for this? Yeah. Wharf. Oh, wow. Which means 66.7% of the vote went to Will Riker. People just want to go to Ryza. Hmm. 
little 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 horgon big one a little one you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i only uh care around the big horgons <laughs> and little tiny shorts no picard very very sparkly ones too that's right the 90s <laughs> sometimes I miss the 90s other days not so much look man you know I, I know you, you you do some cosplay from time to time I do if you want to break out the shiny shorts and the the open shirt button down the open chest button down I mean we, we can go to a con you know just carry some horgons around and see how everybody likes that <laughs> could totally 3d print some horgons and like hand those out <laughs> oh no that that's uh, that's <laughs> you just print a qr code on it for the podcast you know that's your like giveaway like i used to give away poker chips with with my podcast information on it okay Yours is just a little horgon <laughs> <laughs> listen li- listen to these are the voyages <laughs> oh my <laughs> Man, that'd be something. That'd be kind of cool, though. Like, yeah, I like that idea. So, if you like, if, if anyone out there's a, you know, they're into 3D printing and you want to like 3D print some horgons for us and, you know, like put like, or even like 3D print like a QR code for us on the bottom of the horgon, let's go. Let's, right. let's talk. You just leave, leave them in random places. Like I, I'll leave biz, like business cards for my podcast and Star right. Wars books and different bookstores, you know, just to get people in there. You just like leave random horror. It's like a, the geotagging thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you just geotag like little <laughs> horgons around Texas, you know, it'll be great. <laughs> what is this artifact? Oh my God, it has a QR code. So the sad thing is, it's not that sad, but the sad thing is, that um a while back i remember distinctly having this conversation about <laughs> about you know like what we were going to wear like on the cruise or something like that <laughs> so i feel i can't remember who who had the speedo and who had what but um anyway this conversation is going downhill real quick and i'm okay with it i'm here for it so david thanks thanks bud um for, for again for the conversation with the book um we'll be back next month with another book review i'm probably going to go uh somewhere um in the tos era uh we don't really hang out there as often as i'd like to um i really gotta talk to the guy that does the scheduling stuff man like gosh that guy man come on i mean we don't we don't pay him well enough i mean we like i mean we we, i mean obviously like flamethrower guy he gets paid really well true you know so uh, we gotta just talk to the scheduler, but yeah, like we'll be back next uh, next month uh, to do some kind of TOS book, and we'll um, I'll try and announce that at some point um, in the next uh, couple of weeks. So if anyone wants to read along, they can, or just be completely surprised, whatever floats your boat. So anyway, um, everyone, what y'all think? Um, if you've read this book, you know, how's this book hold up for you? Like, is this uh, like one of your favorites? Do you kind of agree with us and maybe like, ooh, yeah, I'm kind of with y'all hard pass. Like, let's pretend this book doesn't exist type of thing. We would love to hear what you have to say about this book um, and your experience with it or even reading it. And after we've talked about it and, you know, letting us know that way too. Uh, check us out on trtvpod.com. Learn more about us there. 
Uh, we are on all the things, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at TRTV Pod. Uh, if you want to uh, get in contact with us, you can op- open up hailing frequencies and send us something to trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also send us a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute limit before things get weird, so uh, don't let it get weird. Uh, finally, if you do want to mail us something like a little tiny horgon, that's fine. Um, or whatever. I don't know. I got nothing. Um, Lone Star Station, P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas, 76098. Everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, remember to boldly go and to make it so.